Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Girls are taught to be polite, to put others first, to yeah. use their nice voices, yes. to understand that their need has to be subsumed by the needs of others to make them good people. Yeah. And yes. so, God. you know, that's that's why this idea that's so stubborn is that femininity and justice, femininity and need, femininity having demands are incompatible. You cannot both be a good feminine person <laughs> and make demands. Welcome to Women Are Mad, where we invite women to bring their anger into everyday conversation. We're all feeling it. Let's get together to work out what to do with it. I'm Salima Saxton. I'm an actress and writer. I'm Jennifer Cox, and I'm a psychotherapist. We noticed that anger is the one emotion that women aren't allowed to openly express. Meanwhile, everything around us is making us absolutely furious. By talking about women's anger freely, we hope will inspire you to do the same. What's made me angry this week is an interaction I had on social media. It wasn't so much what the person said, it was the panicked reaction I experienced. When I sort of stopped to think, it really pissed me off because that's that's just essentially me responding to a world kind of saying no or saying something that um, I take as no or I take as disapproval. And then... But, yeah. but I think there's, there's, there's less boundaries now, isn't there, With if you're trying to do something relatively publicly, be it were a decade or two ago, we just wouldn't know. You know, we would put out our book, our podcast, our play, our movie, and we might read a kind of review of it in a big Sunday newspaper. And it's mm. kind of all quite, you know, no one really knows. And the speed of it is much, much slower, whereas now everyone's got an opinion. Everybody feels that they're entitled to just as much of a voice as you. And they and everyone feels if you are in the public sphere, and particularly, I think, as a woman doing anything at all in the public sphere, everybody's got a big opinion about it. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they really have. And you just think, mm. why would they have such a big um, sort of take such umbrage about things? I think there's and a lot of how dare you and why are you taking up so much space? I I kind my first instinct was, oh, you're right. You're right. Let me shrink away. Let me delete myself again. Mm. Um, but anyway, let's. Shall no, we and also, we're our... never going to hibernate and we're never going to become little winter animals. So. Let it be through. known. Yes, let it be known. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, not hedgehogs. 
I know we are not hedgehogs. Yeah. Um, and and nor is our guest. Good, good. That's so good, Jenny. We are absolutely awed by today's guest. Her book, Rage Becomes Her, The Power of Women's Anger, is our Bible. Her activism and game-changing journalism have won her copious accolades. She certainly wins our Best Woman Ever Award. Please welcome Soraya Chamali. That's so kind of you. Thank you. Soraya, what makes you angry? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's such that's such a big question. I think probably yep. my current mindset, it's what doesn't make me angry, which doesn't sound oh, very pleasant, but it's really fine. Um, I think, you know, I think what what makes me angry at this stage of my life is mm -hmm. the persistence of injustices, mm -hmm. despite what people know, what they learn, what they believe, what's possible. Um, I don't even know if anger is the right word even. It's more kind of a mystification at this point. I've gone through the cycles of bafflement, bafflement, right? Mm. Just, just, you know, there, there are many ways to approach a problem and I'm, I've been through many different processes of trying to approach problems and so i don't even i don't even know that anger is the right word for what oh i feel goodness. i definitely feel angry but more than that i am i'm just sort of curious because in general i think we're just sort of living with these multiple overlapping mutually intensifying crises mm -hmm. that are deeply related and yet we don't have a social political capacity or will to, to really deal with them. And, and Soraya, what, specifically, yes. where, where, where are we going? Are we talking within the States? Are we talking globally? Um, I mean, I, I really think globally. Mm -hmm. You know, every country, every community, every family mm -hmm. has its own complexities. But I do think there are certain things that we, we can... I, I don't want to use the word that they're universal, um, but there are just common themes and threads, certainly in what is categorized as the Western world, right? Like mm -hmm. the world living with the legacy of the Enlightenment and its implications and ramifications and just how we live today, high speed, high acceleration, technically mm -hmm. heavy and disconnected. I mean, really the hyper-individualism of our cultures leaves us disconnected from our own sense of self, from other people, from mm -hmm. the natural world, from communities. And I, I don't think that's done anybody much good. How would you, if you were speaking to a young woman, if you were speaking to one of my daughters today, one of whom's just hitting her teenage years, what would you encourage her to seek? I would encourage her to seek like-minded people mm. that she can trust that she has respect for, that have respect for her, mm. um, that will sustain her. Mm. Is, I was, we were know. just talking actually about um, being able to ask questions and have sort of robust conversation mm -hmm. about things that, you know, could be inflammatory, could be inflammatory for some. Mm -hmm. And I think you're really right about this idea of, 
like-minded people being able to provide a kind of safe um, platform on which to make discoveries and you can and you can make mistakes and they'll understand right, you you know and they understand that the sort of the base that that's coming from because i think one of this, this the points about this disconnection is that we're all finding it really difficult to find common ground you know this in this sort of very fragmented universe and, right. and it's really easy to enmatize people mm. Yeah, I mean, the irony, of course, is we're hyper-connected, but we're alienated. And in fact, to be a young person today, a young person today is exposed to more information in an hour than older people, Gen X, for example, and up. Although Gen X is borderline, but but definitely older than that. Even millennials and Gen X, now that I think about the technology, but they get more information in an hour than we may have gotten in decades. And you know, also and the sources the sources are increasingly unreliable and fleeting and ephemeral and you know there's there's less of a Yeah, but I think that young people are much more attuned to the complexities and nuances of information, disinformation, misinformation. Mm-hmm. They're much more savvy, they're digital natives. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell them that they should be mentoring up. We keep thinking that right. adults have a lot to hmm. teach children. That's a good point, yeah. But yes. in fact, I, I, I'm mystified by adults. I, I'm Ugh. literally just gobsmacked by their lack of curiosity, by authoritarian attitudes, mm-hmm. by a kind of top-down, we're going to tell you what's right. That's yeah. just so much bullshit. Mm. And kids know it. Kids are bullshit Yes, Totally. You know, and so who are they going to trust? And it's hard for them to trust adults. And that's always kind of been true. But now I think it's particularly true. Well, and also because there's such a, uh, so many people are trying to continue certain power structures, are are fighting desperately to keep certain patterns in circulation. And with that, I suppose, comes even more of a tendency to be hierarchical or to try and instill Absolutely. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. in parental relationships, because a lot of parents, I think, feel that they, they essentially their children aren't just their responsibility, they're their property. And that, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they, they are not themselves, in and of themselves, free people mm-hmm. who might choose different ways of being, different ways of relating, different ways of understanding. Um, yeah, and, and also that they're, I think I'm trying to learn as well, you know, and I'm not always great at this. I've got three children myself. I'm always trying to learn. They are, yes, distinct, as you quite rightly say, I can learn from them and they are not a a limb of mine. Right. They're not an extension. They're not an extension. And, you know, that's really interesting, I think, when it comes to gender in particular, Mm which is never kind of isolated, right? We know that it's it, it intersects with all of these other aspects of identity, but so often when feminists make appeal, when the mainstream media make appeal to men to be more empathetic, they use that framing of it's your mother, your daughter, your sister, your wife. And again, that's just makes the man the center of need. It, yes. it is purely relational, right? It, it is not that the daughter, the mother, the sister, the wife, the aunt, whatever, have the right to whatever it is that's being challenged or contested or denied, but that the source of their right comes from this relational Yes, and quality connected mm. to this. And also right. not standing alone with autonomy. 
only to establishing right. a relation. Right. Yeah. And that yeah, kind of, yeah. It's I just making me think, gosh, it's so true how all of this is so ingrained and so wired in to every layer of our society. And then right. this is it's no wonder then that that rage is also wired into every layer of our experience. But because it's so normalized that we would be objectified, you know, in these relational ways, mm-hmm. we don't notice it. So well, we're, not and we're actively socialized anything. to disregard it. It's not, you know, it's not just that we don't notice it. It's what do that you mean? We are, what, what do you mean disregard it? Sorry. Well, we're taught, generally speaking, and this is quite consistent particularly in sex segregated patriarchal societies, which mm-hmm. come on, who are we kidding? All of them are sex segregated and patriarchal mm-hmm. for the most part, but girls are taught to be polite, to put others first, to yeah. use their nice voices, yes. to understand that their need has to be subsumed by the needs of others to make them good people. Yeah. And yes. so, God. you know, that's, that's why this idea that's so stubborn is that femininity and justice, femininity and need, femininity having demands are incompatible. You cannot both be a good feminine person <laughs> and make demands okay. and yes. angry on, you can do it on behalf of others, right? That's why we have yes. all the mother movements. Exactly. Everyone's happy enough to reward mothers mm. because that's a hat tip to, okay, you understand your role in society, your primary role. Yes. If you want to get so angry true. after that, we might listen to you, but we're not that happy with mothers who are angry about being mothers or about, <laughs> being forced to be mothers or about being denied to being mothers. Like, you know, if mm. you say I'm angry on my own behalf as a woman, that's a really unpleasant thing for the people around you. Mm. It's a red flag. It's a red it's flag. A, I what, just what was it like? Mm. Oh, sorry. I just wondered in terms of your book, the, the major work, um, how was it sort of being identified with women's anger in that way? What was the reception of that sort of in uh, in the world as you walked about? You know, it was very interesting. When I started writing, I had a lot of people, particularly men, say, you sound so angry in your writing. And, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. I don't particularly feel that. I think I'm being pretty clear, mm-hmm. assertive, confident. Mm-hmm. I have strong opinions about things, but what was disturbing to them was that I sounded angry. They weren't really talking at all about what I was saying. They they were they were not happy about this tone that I'd struck. Yes. And in fact, it's the tone that they focused on and that made them uncomfortable. And so by the time I wrote the book, I I had no I could care less about if someone thought I was angry because I am angry. I have the right yeah. to be angry. I should yes. be angry. I want other people to be angry, right? Yeah. And I think that that is really disturbing to people because anger is uncomfortable. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes feeling it. Nobody likes being on the receiving end of it. No. And also people don't like or the, the vast, vast ways of society don't like a woman who appears to be a, a feminine, as you say, woman expressing bold, Ugly, because anger can be ugly. <laughs> yeah, ugly. insistent ideas. Yes. Yeah, like sweaty, spitting. Just anger. not. Yeah, but they have all these stereotypes too, yes. right? Yes, exactly. And and so people are much more comfortable thinking of women as weak and sad and mm. sick. 
which is what we oh, do to yeah. teenage girls. Yes. Right. We say, oh, they're so anxious and she's so hormonal and she's so sad. And mm-hmm. and if we would just step back and say, hi, huh, I wonder what's really bothering her. What's she really angry about that she mm-hmm. can't say instead well, of, you know. And also, so uh, Jen even point, you know, Jen's a psychotherapist. She often points out to me in my 40s, I'm still prone to going, I feel sad. I feel anxious. And yeah. yeah. often say to me, but do you really mean it? Do you really mean that? Or are you yeah. actually furious about it? And I still, even now. Oh, have, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's baked in. Yeah. Baked in. Yeah. yeah. It's baked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so I'm curious, Jen, because I don't know if you saw there was in the United States, a CDC study released in maybe February that was all over the news with headlines like um, shocking levels of despair among teenage girls in the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it was a 10 year study that showed mm-hmm. an escalating trend, sadness, depression, self-harm. Yes. Suicide. Yeah. And in fact, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're in this world, mm-hmm. girls rates of suicide, ide- suicidal ideation and effort had been climbing steadily for that time. You knew that but yeah. during COVID it, it exploded. Right. Yeah. And so it, it just, was it just exploded and yeah it hit the fan it hit the fan and so people you know very kind of salacious explosive headlines Mm -hmm. but in fact all women during that 10 i'm like why the cutoff why just look at adolescence these are also include girls who became adult women Mm -hmm. and if you look at adult women over the last 10 years as i this is your podcast right they they've shown increasing trends towards anger Mm -hmm. and in the united states it's not as high, but when you look at sadness, uh-huh. that's skyrocketing, right? Yeah. So again, the idea that there's shame associated mm-hmm. with the anger and acceptance in sadness, which is lot well understood. Um, I think it's clear that the adolescent girls are experiencing generally what women in societies are experiencing. Yeah, They're watching the older women in their lives. Mm-hmm. They can see what's happening in their families. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called the CDC and I was like, well, I just, I'm curious, did you ask any questions about anger? Like mm-hmm. you had all these questions and you asked questions about certain emotions like sadness and, and they're like, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was just, I thought you asked no question. You didn't ask, nobody asked any of them. Nobody asked them. That is stunning. Years. I mean, you're right. And if this had been teenage boys that had been canvassed, anger yes. probably would have been one of the first things they'd have been pressed on. You know, it's mm. interesting. I, I think that it was a, I need to go back. I only asked if they asked the girls. They also asked boys questions. And I'm going to go double check that. Mm. Because I, I'd I love to know. I would love to know that too. Mm. I'm going to go and check because they answered me very quickly. I, I asked them to map the data and also to um, let me know what the questions were. And they were. I only saw headlines regarding girls, though. That's because the girls' numbers were so so huge. Right. And the thing about it in in the, you know, in the what's always framed as gender wars, which I hate, Mm -hmm. but there's always this tit for tat like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, women are suffering, but men kill themselves. Women are suffering, yes. but men die in war. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, but you know, this, first of all, what, why, what does that have to do with anything? Women aren't caught killing men in war mm-hmm. and women are not the cause of their suffering per se. Like mm-hmm. this is a societal problem, but 
But I think that the idea that boys were killing themselves was such a central pillar argument in response to feminist feminism and social change and women's like greater it's a power. shield, isn't it? It's a shield. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, boys are killing themselves, but my God, what just happened with girls? Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. went quiet. Mm-hmm. That, that like mm-hmm. like what do we say now? We can't mm-hmm. say that as much anymore, which is a terrible way. It's such a skewed, perverse, zero sum, unhelpful. Yes, it's so argument. circular. We never get anywhere. Yes, it's circular. Exactly. Right? It's just like the kids are suffering. So why on earth can't we focus on what it is about our society that's causing such widespread unhappiness? Yeah, what despair. we're doing so wrong. Right. So, right, I'm curious within your own life, how have you navigated through the decades? Not, not that you have many decades behind you, but how have you navigated um, <clears throat> an ability to express yourself? Um, well, I couldn't express my anger at all. Like it wasn't ah. until I personally started getting sick. I, I physically... I was like, what is yeah. going on with me? Like, what mm. is this? You know, at in what my age? 30s, when, at what point? Oh, I life? was in my early 40s. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I had three children under the age of three and was working and was in a city with no family around. I mean, just, mm. you know, quite isolated tough. as, a, yeah, as a parent and just mm. kind of exhausted. And also with three children under the age of three, I was just happy if no one died on any given yeah. day. That was my bar. Of course. I was like, I can lie down and know that everyone's alive. Yes. Which is a very low bar, right? Yeah. And so, as I always say, that sort of being in that situation is literally just an exercise in inadequacy every day. Oh, you, yeah. you just wonder, what did, what did I fail today? Yeah. You know, and, and also, even with a supportive, progressive, egalitarian-minded spouse, it was clear that regardless of how we wanted to live, regardless of what our personal decisions would have been, all of the institutions that we were involved in were optimized to deny progressive egalitarian ideals in parenting. And so whether it was schools or the workplace or the taxation system, or even things like carpooling and after sports activity, after school activities, they retrenched sex segregation, gender inequality, mm. unequal power, di- financial constraints. It, it's Those are powerful forces. Yeah. And it's very hard to swim against those tides as individuals. You know, you yes. really need collective action. And so by the time I was in my early 40s, sort of 10 years into parenting, I was exhausted. My back was in spasm, spasmodic pain mm. constantly. Um I started feeling sort of very sad and anxious, which was unlike me. Like I could recognize that there was something qualitatively different about how I was feeling about life. And then I thought, okay, well, let me just think about what this is. And I went to the doctors. I was like, is it perimenopause? Like, what is what is this? And no, nobody really cared, to be honest, in the medical profession, right? It wasn't like someone was like, let me pay attention. I had one. No doctor, one twigged. No one said. Yeah, no, no. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, I had one guy, one doctor say, do you have any hobbies? Oh, and, please. And I said, I said, do you have a stay at home wife? And he said, yes. And I said, and does she have hobbies? Because does she work? Like, mm. because my hobbies are brushing my teeth and washing my face on the same day. If <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, that's what exactly. I count as a hobby. Top lock. Yeah, totally. Mm. 
<laughs> right? And I just, I, he laughed, I laughed, but it wasn't really funny, right? No, I'm not like, funny, no, awful. You know? mm-hmm. But in fact, he wasn't wrong because I I was like, okay, well, let me, what does he mean? I was like, what do you mean yeah. when you say, do I have a hobby? Because do you have any time for yourself ever in the day when you do something you enjoy? Which is a completely different mm-hmm. question from do you have a hobby? <laughs> yes, it right? is. Yeah. And and because I wouldn't categorize that as a hobby. If I have time to take a bath, I wouldn't say that's my hobby. No, no. that's time for yourself. That's but it's time for myself that important. I would enjoy that I'm alone. Yeah. yeah. And I had no time for a bath, right? No. So I had been a lifelong feminist activist person, like run over by a truck during this period of my life, thinking, mm-hmm. surely things will improve over time. And then I realized, no, no, they've actually gone backwards. And that was a rude awakening. And then I was like, you know, actually, if I really think about it, I'm not sad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm really so full of rage. Did it just arrive, like in terms of your realization, kind of all of a sudden? No, I don't think so. I think for me, it's just, I think my personality is that I tend to think for a very long time and very deeply about something before it's my Catholic firstborn girl training. Uh, you know, surely okay. I must be wrong. Surely mm-hmm. it must be something else. Surely I'll check all the boxes off before I reach my conclusion, you know. And I also wonder, Sarah, if we're also told, and forgive me if I'm, if uh, this isn't true of you, this, I'm speaking from personal experience. For me, with my three very young children and supportive, great yes. partner, um, uh, we I've moved on economically from my my parents' generation, tick, mm-hmm. tick, lots of things, education, all these things. I felt for a very long time, and still struggle with this, that I ought to be grateful. Uh. So if I ought to be grateful, then I'm not allowed to feel these messy, uncomfortable. Mm. There's no feelings. room for the mess, is there, with and gratitude? So I, because I have because I I am mothering these three wonderful children. And they're healthy, healthy. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, like you should be grateful for what you yes. have. And it's really funny. Mm. This this morning I was talking to someone about the word toxic is very worn out at this point in my mind, but mm. I've just finished a book on the myths of resilience, like mm. the demand that we Ooh, be I love that. resilient, right? Fabulous. And, but but thank you. Part of it though is this idea that we should be grateful. You know, have your do you have your gratitude journal? One of the best things I've seen in the last three years is this woman who finally just I think she, I don't know who it was, but she really made me laugh. She's like, I have an ingratitude journal. Nice. Yes, exactly. Who came up with gratitude journals? Oh, I can tell you where gratitude journals came from. Oh, please do. The positive psychology movement, right? In the 50s in the United States, you had power of positive thinking, which was a Protestant, Christian, capitalist kind of, you know, individual, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, infused not just with like this delusional optimism, but with gratitude and a slightly spiritual, there's a spiritual quality to the gratitude, right? Nobody uh-huh. says, thank God for what you have, but it's just a hop, skip and a jump to mm. write your gratitude journal. And, and I think it's, right? a muff, it's a muffling, isn't it? It's and a blindfolding of people. It's yeah. saying like, shh, you know. Yeah, and also mm. like be grateful, stop complaining and making demands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Think how much right. worse it could be. 
Oh, it, we can always make it worse for you. <laughs> and, and also, there's a sense of threat to that. Yeah, we can always and make it worse. Make it for work, you. Yeah, and the danger of emoting. Don't emote. Mm. To, and that's why I, I enjoy. I'm half Pakistani, and that's I enjoy that aspect of my family because there is no fear around women you know, expressing like, themselves. Yeah, and emoting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm from I'm from the Bahamas in Haiti. There's no fear of emoting. There's excessive emoting all the time. What Haiti. about anger? Anger too. Like my like my mother though was interesting because I think in my Lebanese family there was a far less restriction in some ways. Mm-hmm. My yeah. mother was Bahamian, sort of, which was very Anglophilic, colonial legacies of culture and Anglicanism. She, you know, was brought up to be a proper young lady and she was sent off to a, she was eventually sent to a Catholic boarding school, quintessential good girl, she'll tell you. Um, And she had no ability to express anger at all. And how is she in terms of her health, her body? I think that my mother got to her 60s and was made quite ill by her anger. Didn't really know how to deal with it at all. Mm. And, yeah. and you know, gener- I think go that generation, go, no, mm. go ahead. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, but, they really grapple. Yeah. And I just think that. also my, so my mother, 1943, born in Mumbai, Pakistan. Yeah. So that, that first, I was just talking about it earlier today, that generation of women who with, the colonial dregs. 100%. My mother, my, 1946 and 80. Yes, uh, you know, exactly. So my mother, even now, is ashamed. Yeah. Oh, is, yes. Is, it apes the British the British colonial, uh, well, she's twin, a twin set in pearls all the way, and the shame that goes with emoting too hugely, yet the younger generation, my cousins in Pakistan, yes. Op- operate very differently my mother has been colonialist that's when we talk about colonialism and its lasting imprint I Absolutely. think it's so interesting to talk and about whiteness right and what, like yes. whiteness yes and perfectionism in women yes and having to be put together I mean my mother is way more put together than I am on any given day my yes, mother same. is 76 and wears three inch heels and walks <laughs> five miles and looks fab right like mm-hmm. but for her there that's the standard of what it means yes. to live her life and mm-hmm. and so in response to that I'm like, no, no, not for me. Thank mm. you so much. You know? Well, it's so sad to think of her with all this kind of amazing put togetherness, but actually not well, like not being well in herself. Well, I think that's the conflict. And that's, I think, to go back to girls today. Mm. What we're seeing, a lot, I think, in society is actually a lot of status anxiety. White people mm. have anxiety. Mm. Men have anxiety. Mm. And in fact, when status anxiety is salient in any context, people act in ways that aren't good for them and for other people very often. And so men exert dominance, right? They feel anxiety about their their place. So they act in ways that are hostile to, to women, mm-hmm. honestly, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you look at the Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, followers mm. a lot of them are just trying to figure out what the hell well, does it mean yeah. to be a man what is my place how do i relate yeah. to other men how do Terror. i relate to women? yeah mm-hmm. it is paralyzing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but the response to that hasn't been be contemplative 
be compassionate, egalitarian, it's assert yourself as a man. Yeah. Then, and take you know, space. Push sure right back. Space. Yeah. Push right back. Mm-hmm. And for women, a lot of the response to status anxiety is actually to sexualize themselves because that has been a traditional source of women's ability to gain vicarious power. Yeah. If you are attractive, then you can make those connections with powerful men who will protect you or provide yes. for you, et cetera. For me, that is an extraordinary thing about becoming a, an older woman. I can distinguish who wants to actually listen to me, yes. <clears throat> who ought to listen yes. to me. Mm. And, and who's going to dismiss you. And who's going to dismiss me, yes, yes. most importantly. That's right. It's a quick, yeah. it's a very yeah. quick thing. It is very quick. Whereas in it's my very 20s. very quick, right? You're like, 20s, oh, I know, my, I could see that immediately. Yeah, but my 20s, I was all over the place. I know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel sorry for that girl. Now. It's so sad. <laughs> all yeah, that so energy, bad. like pinging out all over the show, sort of. Mm. Did they find me attractive? Shall I use that? Am I scared? The problem is the problem is that it's often the case that, in fact, it is the only way to be heard. Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely. I don't want to deny that and we all have that experience. We know that. Yes. And, and the fact know. that that's your entry into working life for most women right. at this that's dreadful right. point, isn't it? Where where your power is your sexuality. And um, where do you go from there? <laughs> the only right. way is that. Right. And and even like even I know for myself talking about feminism, going, you know, going into spaces where I joke just walking in the room makes me an angry person, right? Like they're just going to take one look at me and think, oh, she's the feminist. She's the woman who wrote the book about anger, you know? And so I am quite, I present in a very feminine way. I like it. It's just always been my way. And I don't underplay it. I don't overplay it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I know that it can disarm people sometimes. Yeah, that's quite useful. They're not, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, disarm they're, they people, but what an elegant dance you're having to perform. It's exhausting, still, I would right? say. Yes. <laughs> and the energy it must it it requires. Well, because if you deviate, if you make people uncomfortable, there's a lot of hostility, right? Because they're like, wait, are you fooling me? Like, you're not supposed to make me look the way you look. You're not supposed to make me uncomfortable. Yes. That, that I think, happens. I'm interested at this period in your life. So we always ask people, when did you last get angry with somebody and and, and describe what happened? So I'm interested for you right now, if whether you're angry about, I don't know, a minor traffic infringement or whether it's a macro political issue how do you tend to go about it you know i have to say that right now i'm thinking very hard about i've always felt but as i've gotten older i felt it's even more vital i've always felt that the kinds of issues that we deal with have to be tackled intimately friends family loved people you know and if you can't figure out how to have those conversations at home how to test your ideas, how to ask people hard questions. And like, if you can't figure it out, certainly in my position, how can you ask other people to do that? You know, you really can't. And so I think that that can be very difficult because other people haven't signed up for that necessarily. Right. So if you're at a dinner party and people are talking about things and Frankly, still, it's very often the case that men will dominate the conversation about politics or, God mm-hmm. forbid, even things like abortion. And they get to say their piece. Yes. 
And then when I say my piece, it comes off as an attack or aggressive, even though I could say it in the most benign, charming way possible, right? Because that's part of the navigation you're talking about. Mm -hmm. How am I going to alter my tone or do I smile or not? Or do I say something sarcastic and cutting because it came into mind or like what, what, how do you do this? But can I just ask on that note, because if we're kind of, saying my voice will land badly here and that's just a fact does it matter is are we the reason that we're kind of noticing this is because we care we still care and is this the problem should we just learn to let our voices land however they do and then yeah there are contexts in which i do that i'm i'm curious honestly i'm intellectually curious in how do you maintain the the relationship in the conversation, mm-hmm. even when mm-hmm. you are disappointing, scaring, threatening people, just mm-hmm. by being disappointing. Yourself. Disappointing is a great. Right? You know, I had a tiny example of just somebody said to me recently, "But you have such a sweet little face and voice. Yeah, how could you? How could you? How could you? That? I wasn't saying anything I extraordinary. Can't, but, but can't we just leave that with them? That that sort of disjunct and the jarringness. But, but can't they contain that? that? But we can't oh, no. continue the conversation. The conversation's well, no. dead, isn't it? If they don't allow you the space. I, I, there are circumstances in which I, I don't feel that I need to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately selfish because what I want is just to leave them with a different perspective to think about. And yes. like this, I patiently listen to you talk about a subject that, frankly, you have no experience of, will never have the experience of, and know very little about. And I try to be a good friend and gracious and whatever, and listen to you. Mm-hmm. And in terms of reciprocity, friendship, intimacy, whatever it is, you now get to listen to me. And what I see in that is we can mutually respect each other. Yeah. But I shouldn't be expected to absorb what you say, mm. feel my deep discomfort. Mm. and just let it go to make everybody else feel comfortable. This is what I'm grappling with. Yeah, but this is where I think learning on behalf of, let's say men, just for want of an easier you know, mm. way of conceptualizing it, men need to learn to let us have our space. And if that makes them uncomfortable and it stirs up all sorts of historically uh, strange feelings for them, yes. well... That's up to them to and I would And I would also absorb. include colluding women. Or colluding... 100%. I mean, I do understand the collusion, but sometimes mm. I think the collusion, there are the women who are clearly on the same side of the page as the men. That's one. But the other is I think there are women who want to say things and are scared to say things, don't yes. want to seem impolite, aren't yes. as polite. I'm okay if seeming impolite. I don't want to be impolite. I don't actually feel impolite. <laughs> but just saying something honest without a giggly affect makes me impolite. I know that. Yeah, right? that is true. Like that's I just so true, like, the giggly so say something. So yeah, true. And that's what I'm talking about, about the collusion for me anyway. It's that I've right. really learned in these last few years to stand alone and say it and feel it and and then have you disagree and say salima no 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 i don't think that at all i think you're totally I'm fine wrong if you disagree this is the yeah. thing about and wouldn't that be wonderful that'd be so healthy but and also how brilliant like i would you know if you say to me now Sarah, but this isn't that's not at all true that can't be true 
brilliant. Like, tell me why it's not right. true. I think mm. the discomfort comes actually, this has been my experience in some cases. I feel super strongly about things. And I also don't believe that how I feel degrades my cognition. I feel yes. it perhaps enhances it. It enhances my mm. cognition, right? Yes. And so that's a great phrase. And so I think what you know, a lot of people are like, well, in order to really argue properly, you have to be logical and rational. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm fine with logical and rational, but here's the thing. My very strong emotional response is logical and rational in this yes. circumstance. Yes, right? absolutely. Yes. Mm. And if you don't have that strong emotional response, it's because you're not affected by what you're talking about mm. at yes. all. And you, also right. it can be, it can I, I can hold one very strong view. We can have a conversation and I go, Soraya, I'm U-turning. I'm totally U-turning. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm U-turning. I hold a different view now, half an yeah. hour later. Or I'm willing to listen to you or yes. I haven't thought of it yeah. that way. Yes, and then go and reflect on it. Yeah, and I feel that. this and this at the same time. And that, that's totally valid to be yes. in both places. But I will yeah. say this. I mm -hmm. still think men don't like being told how to do or think or change by any women. No. Yeah. In social public situations, in the presence of other men, especially. I had um, a, a horrible experience at a party where um, a man mansplained autism to me. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he didn't know who I was, what I did, nothing. Yeah. He just made a lot of assumptions about me. Right. And I, I correct. I mean, I, I do happen to know a lot about autism mm -hmm. and I then I couldn't stop myself from just kind of doing the reel out of my credentials. I just right. couldn't stop. No, no, it was math so and irritating. I was so mad and it changed everything. It was awful. It was yeah. awful. Uh, it killed everything. Yeah. Like he could not bear he it. Couldn't do it. Mm. Couldn't do it. He, he sort of stammered and melted and it was, it was so uncomfortable for both of us. And I I, I would probably do the whole what, what thing. What are you supposed to do? This is the thing, mm. though. You don't want to stand there and be lectured by no, some. Thank you very much. You don't know. Yeah, well. you know. I, I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't allow it to happen. But I equally, know. this terrible. Right, Sarai, can I ask you another question? Yes. Um, when has anger driven you to do something incredible? Oh, when has it not? Seriously, like every feminist movement I've ever joined, belonged to, helped initiate, organized, has always been driven by anger. But I want to make the point, I think people still think of anger as a negative emotion, and I just don't. I'm like, mm -hmm. it's an emotion. We take the knowledge that we can from it. We use it effectively. Yeah. It doesn't have to be destructive. It's destructive when it's maladaptive, right? And so- yes. This is why I am like, mm. it's an emotion. We take the knowledge that we can from it. We use it effectively. Yeah. It doesn't have to be destructive. It's destructive when it's maladaptive, right? And so... Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Yeah. Soraya, before you go, we always ask people a quick fire um, yes. round about anger. So what's the current news item that's making you see, if you can just choose one? Let me let me think about that and come back to it. Let me just think. Yeah, of course. There's so much news. I would yeah. have to look at the <laughs> no, news. No, no, of course. Know. So the aspect of modern life that makes you fume. It's retrograde backlash cultural moment that we're living in. Oh, that's just the best answer we've ever had. That's, I, that's, that one's easy. <laughs> and I will tell you a news item because I was actually doing some research and I, I was doing research into many of the topics we we're talking about. And I was particularly doing research into this idea of status anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I thought, are there any good examples? Are there examples of that, that I'm forgetting or something of when boys and girls, men and women have been in competitive situations and things have taken a pretty nasty turn because of the discomfort of having men lose to women, mm. right? Like what what is happening to cause this level of backlash and young, young men especially, because the levels of sexism and misogyny are high in Gen Y boys, um, higher than Gen X, higher mm. than millennials. And there was just this one case that happened maybe a year, a year and a half ago, where a young young woman was playing basketball in her neighborhood with the guys, and she bested all of them. She kept scoring, but there was one in particular she scored against, and he turned around and killed her. No. On the basketball court. And, you know, I remember when this happened, and I think that like I, I wrote about violence for so long and I had real secondary trauma from it. And I'd stepped back from the violence just to as a just to like be well. Yeah. Just not to be constantly at like at a fire hose of violence that you can you can expose yourself to if you're writing about these things. And and I and I saw it again and I was so outraged and angry and upset and horrified by that bit of news, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we all know what that's like. That's what women fear when they don't respond to street harassment. It's what they fear if they mm-hmm. turn down a guy in a bar. It's what mm-hmm. they fear if they ask an Uber driver who's acting crazy to get out of the car. Like, that's the thing, you know, and it's not even the sexualization. It's the refusal to comply Mm. and to conform to the expectation of not being dominant, not asserting yourself, not demanding your own needs. So the next question I was going to ask, but I think you just answered it, is is the behaviour of others that most, we say in Britain, gets on your wick. Do you know what that means? Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. The behaviour of others Mm. is um, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, just this niceness that refuses yes. to acknowledge what's happening. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you any more quick fires because <laughs> I think you've answered the, that okay. so beautifully. I don't want to kind of emerge no. in any other way than other than to say, Soraya, you're just magnificent. Oh, thank, thank you, you so for much. having me. Thank you so much. I feel yeah, like I should so have like 45 minutes to ask you all those questions back. So was this conversation brought up for us? I thought it was so interesting about this point with other people's reaction to us trying to express anger or even something quite firm, assertive, might not even register in our mind as anger. And also, I found it really um, 
soothing to hear a woman of that caliber (laughs) who has such an extraordinary mind and who has you know, being revered academically and published and said extraordinary things, who still talks about having to navigate that tightrope, about having to navigate how one expresses something carefully. Uh, I mean, I it, it's, it's cold comfort, I suppose, but it was mm. comfort for me in that, oh, yes, I'm not mad in that when it is I a am problem. thinking those things in certain circumstances, yes, of course I'm thinking those things because it's true. And if I'm yeah. not quite correct in how I say something, it won't work or I'll be shut down or I'll be deemed aggressive or whatever. yeah and then well like you were saying then the conversation ends mm. and that it just feels so tragic because that was our shot at trying to get ourselves properly heard thank you for listening and sharing in our anger tune in next time and remember you're not mad to feel mad Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.